Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to 7 on the Line here on KLJX LP Flagstaff, KJX student-run radio. My name is Will Hopkins. I'll be your host. I am once again joined by Leif Tuline. Leif, how are you doing today? Doing well. I'm, uh, I'm excited for March Madness, so I'm, I'm excited for this episode. Yeah, so as you might be able to guess by that comment, we are spending 60 minutes here, well, plus commercial breaks, et cetera, et cetera. We are spending the entire show today on March Madness. This should be a fun one. Uh, so Leaf and I have both gone through. We've made some picks. We've, well, I've filled out significantly more brackets than you, to my understanding. But we're going to get things started here. And obviously, you know, it, start, it really is, does feel like March right now with just all the anticipation building. There's a couple added factors in with COVID and all that. I'm wearing my Colorado State jacket and my Louisville shirt under it to uh, bring good vibes to those two teams, hope that they sneak in and then get upset in the first round. Um, but so we're going to start with that. Leaf, who do you think are the most likely upsets to be aware of in this first round? It's always it's always a hard one to pin because you, you sometimes try to overpick them. But I, I think one that's obvious that that I think uh, a lot will be probably the most picked one is probably Winthrop over Villanova. You all, I mean, it's the old cliche. You always want a twelve over the five, and and Villanova's missing their point guard. Um, that's one that that I'm certainly looking at, monitoring, thinking about. But if you're going for the largest seed line one, I think the one that I think is is very possible is is Ohio over Virginia, and I, I really love Tony Bennett's. Uh, whole staff at Virginia. I'm not sure I want to bet against Tony Bennett ever, but um, you have, they have a COVID situation and Jason Preston of Ohio is a special player. So that's a 13, four that I'd be super weary of. And I think that's probably the biggest, the biggest seed line one. I'm not certain I'll bet that, but I, I bet you that will be one of the most popular picks um, come March madness betting days. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a likely one. The only reason that I don't, I haven't been betting on it too heavily is purely Virginia has those tight. has like, they're the most recent March Madness winner. We didn't have it last year, the year before they won it. So, and there's still some remainder from that team that probably knows, Hey, we can't stick or we can't like, we can't come out and uh, put in half effort. We got to go all in. We got to realize that everyone can beat us. And I think especially the senior class having lost to a 16 seed, in their first in their freshman year, I think they realize that. So I think that that culture will kind of carry over. And again, as a program that can win, uh, it has proven that they can win these types of games. I really like Virginia. Um, I actually am going to go one above you. You picked a four uh, thirteen. I'm going to go for a three fourteen upset. I like Eastern Washington against Kansas. Um, Kansas in a similar situation, going through some COVID issues, didn't get to play a lot of their last couple games of the season. Eastern Washington won the big sky, upset the NAU Lumberjacks, and I'm not salty about it. Um, but I, or didn't upset, but beat. And this team just came in hot and they look like a very good defensive team. One of the big things that stands out is their offense, but they have like three or four guys that can protect the paint really well. So I like Eastern Washington in that, in that matchup. Yeah, and, that, and that's one that's interesting to me because Kansas is such a renowned program, and you don't know. You do know that Jalen Wilson, the starting forward for Kansas, is out. That's that's one that has been uh, said that he will be missing due to COVID. But you don't know who else is playing because they're contract tracing, and they, and they said they're traveling without three players. Whether those are uh, rotation players or not, uh, I don't know. 
Uh, it's just hard for me to bet uh, on against Kansas because of the tradition they've built up there um, as a as a premier program with Bill Self. So that one, I, I agree. I'm monitoring, and I really want to learn more as well as with Virginia's situation is who's missing because in both situations, if they're missing key pieces, that's a really good pick because you can make a lot of money off those type of investments. One that I think is interesting, another 14-3, is Colgate and Arkansas. Um, I think Arkansas will win that because they both play very, very up and down paces. Colgate is 14-1 and one on the year. But the reason I'm tentative to say that as my number one option to this question is just because they haven't beaten anyone this year. Um, so I find it hard that they're going to be the team that was really in a groove playing the SEC. But that's one I won't be stunned if it does happen. Yeah, and Arkansas may be a team that was rated a little too highly coming into this tournament. I could have seen them coming in as a four or a five. Coming in as a three really shocked me. I get it. They're the second best team in the SEC. They had some quality wins this year, obviously, but I, it still really did shock me. And I think Colgate is the type of team that can just shoot the lights out, really. Um, I, I, I really think that this is a team – I agree with you. I think that that's a 14-3 that I'd be wary of, and I think certainly more people are um, talking about it than about my game. And, and to your point about uh, Eastern Washington and Kansas, I think uh, I, I think that who is infected and who those contact traces are really does play a role. That is something that will be developing throughout the week. But as of right now, I just wanted to get on the record for when it happens and everyone's going to know that, oh, hey, that guy actually knows what he's talking about. Um, my second biggest upset, I'm going to go back down to the four. Uh, I think it's the 512 line. I actually like Oregon State against Tennessee. And Oregon State, a Pac-12 team, obviously just won the Pac-12 tournament. Didn't look great going into the tournament, but found their rhythm last week. And I think if they can carry that over, they're going to be okay. But I don't know. I, I, I It's going to be a very much, uh, let's see what happens in the first five minutes. Because if they're down by five in the first five minutes, well, it's over. Like, Oregon State's really got to come in with a fire in their belly to keep to hold that upset. That's an interesting one to me because Tennessee is an extremely talented team, very good defensively. They they kind of struggle to score, so I agree. I don't think they want to get play from behind if you're Oregon State. Another uh, champion that came in that uh, kind of stole a bid uh, was Georgetown, another five twelve. Um, they're playing Colorado, who who was defeated by Oregon State in that Pac twelve championship game. That's one that I think is a really popular pick, and and in my bracket so far, I've taken Colorado because I just feel like. There's just like an aura around Madison Square Garden, Patrick Ewing going back, and and they, they win that they win that title. But they're playing they're playing very well, and the Colorado team is a really solid team. But like they're not extremely dynamic, they're not extremely athletic or anything that would kind of dissuade me. So that's that's a, a pick that I think will be pretty popular for a 12-5 upset. I haven't made it yet, but I, I'm kind of weighing about that one as as I told you that I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking to make some more upsets, but I always overpick upsets. So I'm trying to uh, uh, tell myself to slow down. on making brackets this year. Yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely. That is a very, that's, that, that was my third pick as well was uh, Georgetown coming in over Colorado. I, I just think they're hot and something you mentioned briefly with Patrick Ewing. I think that coaching could propel Georgetown a little further. Um, they did, blow out Villanova in the championship or was it Creighton that they beat in the championship Creighton. game? They be, blew out Creighton in the championship game, which was very surprising. Creighton, a team that I honestly thought if they didn't lose that, they're probably on the four, maybe fringe three line. They're a five seed and they're probably not going to make it past the sweet 16 given the area that they're in. But I do think that uh, 
I do think that Creighton is a very good team coming in. Um, we're going to go ahead and move on here. There were a couple teams that I think both of us looked at as overrated coming in. Do you want to start us off with one team that you think got really lucky with the seed that they ended up with? There were a few that I, that I kind of thought that they were fortunate draws, and I wouldn't say they're overrated, but the, the one seed that, that I think got the best draw was Gonzaga, but that, that's not an overrated team by any means, but I just wanted to kind of point that out that I love. I think their draw was just beautiful. And a, a team that I thought seemed to get a really, really solid seed that I didn't think necessarily was up there was Florida. I think Florida's a seven seed. Um, they, they're taking on Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, I would say, was the more impressive team in the in the regular season and they're a 10 um so that that's well that's a little upset tip that i kind of I'm, I'm monitoring thinking about but uh, i i didn't think florida was really a seven seed they they had some struggles earlier in the year they obviously had the issue with keontae johnson passing out on the court and some some real real issues like in, in that locker room readjusting finding an identity but i'm not sure that's a team that i would say is uh, on par with the other seven seeds so that that would probably be my pick as the most uh, overrated seed I absolutely agree with you. I think that the other seven seeds are a lot better than Florida. Um, I, I could see all four of them making a run to the – or all three of them, rather, making a run to the Elite Eight. Maybe save Clemson. Oregon and UConn both look really solid and actually have pretty solid draws going their way. I do think that Florida is probably the worst of the seven seeds, um, and they were very lucky to be there. I honestly would – I, I do think Virginia Tech and Florida could flip seeds, and not many people would notice – all that much. Um, a team that I picked just down the road from you, BYU. I, I really think that this team played Gonzaga really well last week, but I think people are buying in too much to that hype. I think this team hasn't had a great season, hasn't played anyone too spectacular, hasn't beaten anyone too great. Obviously second in the WCC, but that's a league that they should be taking second in with uh, quite a bit of regularity. I do think uh, BYU ended up a little too highly ranked, and I think Michigan State and UCLA, whichever one comes out, will be a very tough game for the Cougars. Yeah, I agree, and that, that's one that I had had my has sorry, excuse me, had as my next um, take as an overrated team. I really like the team, but I don't know if they're they're warranting a sixth spot. I I personally think UConn, who's in the same region, is better, um, and, and they're the seven. So I, I agree with you there. And then I also, you alluded to it, Clemson is, is the other seven seed. And I, I thought Clemson really tailed off and is heading in the wrong direction as March Madness hit. So um, they're getting a lot of credit for early in the season. And, and since almost pretty much February, they've, they've really struggled. So I think that those are kind of my three that I've pinpointed as being overrated seeds. Yeah, I also have West Virginia listed here. Um, I, I just don't think they warranted the three seed. They weren't very consistent all year. They couldn't really beat the bigger team. It, okay, they beat a couple bigger teams, but their record against like top 25 opponents is not great. Um, I do think it's a team that, you know, Press Virginia, they have a mantra and all that. But I do think that this is a team that maybe should have been a four or a five seed, not a three seed. I really like West Virginia as a team. I could see them being a four. Um being five and seven against top 25 isn't horrible considering they played Baylor twice. They played uh, Texas, they played Kansas. Uh, I think they, they kind of readjusted and, and I guess maybe I'm being lenient on them because I saw that when they lost Oscar Shibway, they restructured their whole identity and still remained a top 12 team most of the season. But, but I can see that one. I, I personally think they are a three over some of the fours, but, but I, but I understand that one. 
Yeah, I personally would like to put Purdue over West Virginia if I'm being 100% honest, just because of the way Purdue plays. But that's being very nitpicky. And I think Purdue also got a pretty favorable – not a favorable, but they got a pretty good uh, area to be in in the bracket. So I don't think they're complaining too much. They're, they look like the team that's going to make it to the Sweet 16 out of their kind of group. Um, my final one is Oklahoma State. I, I just don't like teams that are reliant on freshmen in this situation. Kate Cunningham is going to be the first pick in the NBA draft, and that's fine. But I don't like teams that rely too heavily on freshmen. And I think they're, I, they have other scores, and they have a, a lot of guys that can do it, but they're just too reliant on Cade to do any, like to make a deep run, in my opinion. I actually disagree with this one because I think if they had won the Big 12 title where they played in the championship against Texas, they easily could have been a two seed um, because they they finished the year so strongly. Um, they, they beat West Virginia. They beat them twice in a week, one with Cade, one without Cade. They beat Baylor, who, who if they had won the Big 12, would have had a legitimate chance of saying, hey, we're the top overall seed because we won the Big 12 and Gonzaga won the WCC. Um, so I, I think that I was surprised, frankly, that they were a four rather than a three. So I, I understand where you're coming from, that they're reliant on a superstar player. But I think their body of work is um, is warranting of a four, maybe even higher, in my, my personal opinion. And I, I really want to see them play in the Sweet 16 against Illinois. Obviously, there's some work to be done to get there, but um, that would be, be some primetime television for me. It would be a very good game, them versus Illinois. Illinois, obviously, having to go through the team of destiny, Loyola, Chicago, but it's a very different team from than it was what five years ago, four years ago. It's a very different team. I, but I just don't like it. It's one thing being reliant on a superstar player. Like Iowa obviously has Luca Garza. That's, you know, the big name in college basketball right now. And I, I think that's warranted. I think Iowa's seed as a, as a two seed is warranted. The issue for me comes purely from the fact that Cade Cunningham being a freshman, like, He's never experienced this kind of a tournament and this kind of pressure, this kind of physicality. So I'm, I'm really concerned. I'm not concerned, but I do think Liberty is going to be a tough matchup for Oklahoma State in the first round. And then if ten, it's probably going to be Tennessee. If Oregon State comes out shooting the way they are, I don't know how Oklahoma State would slow them down if Tennessee can't do it, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's, it's not an ideal draw. I think Liberty's a pretty solid team. They played Purdue earlier this year to about 10-point game. And and they have veterans, but but I think that the the, the they're warranting a four seed. I, I want to see them make a run just because I, I I think they're fun to watch. They play really up tempo, but um but I do often often March Madness brings things out like Denzel Valentine was not a freshman. He was a star for Michigan State. They lost in the first round because he got in foul trouble, um and and things like that. It's it's winner go home and and so um, anything can happen. So being reliant on one person is a perfectly fair take to to be skeptical of a team. Leaf Tulin joining us. Uh, before we head to commercial break here, I just want to touch briefly on these uh, on the role COVID's going to have in this uh, in this March Madness. It's obviously another stipulation. If you get the billion dollar bracket this year and it gets busted because of COVID, there's a little extra reason to be salty. Um, but what do you make of these teams that have COVID? Specifically, the three te- the two teams that we know of right now are Kansas and Virginia. They're the two he- headliners. And then the Big 12 Conference as a whole has just really struggled to contain it. Do you think that that's going to play an extra role? Do you think it's going to help any teams? Do you think it's going to hurt the teams that have it? What, do you, what, is, what are your thoughts on it? Well, I don't really think it's going to help any teams unless uh, unless you're playing a team with it. So that would I would just more say that would hurt the teams with it. So, like, for, in, for instance, Virginia, 
it's missing it's going to be missing one player one player who played in the Syracuse game out of the eight that played tested positive that 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 name is yet to be said um and obviously if that's one of your stars if that's Jay Huff if that's Sam Hauser if that's Kihei Clark um that you really you really are hurt by that because you then you don't have one of your best players going for the first game if you make it through the first game you don't have them for the second game and they can come back without practicing for the Sweet 16 and then on a greater scale for Kansas and Virginia whether you're missing a, a bench warmer or a star, um, you're not able to practice due to that because of contact tracing. So I, I definitely think it's a detriment to the teams that have uh, tested positive with COVID and they were fortunate that they tested positive the day, the day they did um, in order to have a set time where they could uh, be in uh, quarantine and, a, and able to play. So I think it's a detriment. And then you just kind of got to hope that no one else gets it during the tournament because I would really hate to see like walkovers happen um, you don't want to have a game not happen, especially later in the tournament, because that, you know, that's just not what March Madness is. So you, you've had to make a lot of adaptations this whole year and, and you're hoping for the best inside the, the kind of the bubble environment in Indianapolis. Do you think, I, I guess by helping teams, I more so mean like Baylor has kind of been off and on with COVID all year. They're a team that is, it seems to always be in the COVID headlines. The big 12 as a whole, as I mentioned, really struggling with it this year, but Baylor has really been a team that's struggled with it. And it feels like they might be a little better rested coming into the tournament. Like it feels like these teams that like have had stars kind of missing. It's a, it's nice to not have to deal to play. It's obviously stressful, but like in the long run, it could mean you get a star player who gets a week off. If Virginia makes it to the sweet 16 and their guys can come back, maybe even a little one or two days of practice, maybe even a little earlier than expected. It could help these teams to like be rested and just have that guy to make the run right when you need it. Because if I'm a, if I'm a star college basketball player and I'm in an area and then I'm not saying Virginia is in this area, as we've discussed, Ohio is a very good team, but if I'm in an area where, Oh, we're not going to get knocked out in the first round, COVID, like, it's going to be nice to have that COVID break, and it's going to help prevent, like, prevent an injury prior to those bigger games, right? I, I don't think so, just because I, I feel like this is kind of what they, they love to do. They love to play basketball. They, they love to be healthy, and I don't think it, that it's really a rest. I think, I think coming back from COVID, you're going to be more out of shape than you were if had you been playing, even if you're kind of playing the bumps and bruises of a basketball physical game. Um, but I, I think that you've seen a lot of teams this year go on breaks, however long, and come back worse than when they were before. And the prime example is Baylor. You mentioned they came back and, and looked really bad against an Iowa State team that uh, went Owen, Owen, however many in the Big 12. Um, and they barely knocked them out and then had their first loss against uh, Kansas. And I don't think they really looked the same as they did before COVID. So personally, I think that it's, it's, it's almost entirely a detriment. And, and the only way it can really help is that if you've had it earlier in the year, um, and maybe you've built up an immunity or many of your players have due to an extended pause. Like I know Houston, for instance, had all of their roster um, test positive early in the season and uh, haven't had any stops in. So that's kind of the only way if they've gotten it out of the way early that I can see this really being a, a help to be, to be honest in my perspective, just because I think that it's more of, it's so much of a detriment to teams if, if a team or a player were to have it coming into the tournament or during the tournament. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on KLJXLP Flagstaff. Seven on the line will return shortly. We'll still be talking a little March Madness. The next conversation is the first one seed that we see being knocked out. Stay here. Take your Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, here to KLJXLP Flagstaff. My name is Will Hopkins, joined by Leaf Tulane. 
You are listening to 7 on the Line. Uh, Leaf and I are briefly just going to go over what teams we think can make a run in March Madness that might be a little unexpected, the Cinderella's of the bunch, if you will. Leaf, what team do you think the shoe will fit this year? There are a couple options for this one that, that I kind of like. And, and one that I think I wouldn't qualify as a full Cinderella, but they have played this role before, is the Yukon Huskies. Um, they're a seven seed um, in, the, in the East region, I believe. And they've got a, they've got a, a draw that that gives you Maryland, who's not a walkover in the first round, but I feel like they can give a game to Alabama. And then if they were to play Texas, they've got a guard in James Booknight, who who is a star. And I think most teams that are Cinderella stories have a star, and they've got a star. They've played stellar defense that outweigh overpowers even their offense with a star. So that's kind of a team like a seven seed I can see making a lead eight run. And then I've got another one where I think this might come as a surprise because they didn't play their best basketball down the stretch. Um, in Rutgers. I think Rutgers got a really nice draw playing um, uh, Clemson team that I don't think is all that great. And Houston, in my opinion, is the weakest of the twos. Um, they're, they're really, a really good defensive team, but they don't score an elite clip and, and Rutgers plays in the Big Ten. Um, so that's a team that I think has an open side. And, and I've got another one I kind of like, but I don't, I don't love it. So I'll, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. All right. Well, I'm going to come back to you with that one later. Um, the first team that I have written down here is UConn as well. Um, just you know, they have a coach that's done it. They've made it that far before and they're hitting their stride, right? They're hitting their stride at the right now or at the right time right now. And it's a little reminiscent of the team of the Kemba Walker team that made a run, obviously not quite as highly seated, not as good, but they do have two guys that they can go to in uh, James boat Knight and uh, shoot. Sorry. RJ my, Cole. RJ Cole. Yeah. RJ Cole. Excuse me. My notes just froze. It's always great when it does that on air. Um, I've already talked about how much I like Purdue. I think that this is a team that I could actually see in the final four. That, as we mentioned, that Baylor matchup needs to go. They need some things to happen right when they play Baylor. But I do think that that's a team that could make it. And then I'm in the same boat with you where there's a team that I'm sitting here looking at as more of a eh. And we've talked about this off uh, off the air a little bit. I, I like Creighton. It's a team that... For some reason, I just could see them beating Gonzaga. It's the earliest problem that I can see Gonzaga having, purely because of how experienced their roster is. Coach McDermott has been here in the tournament, hasn't won a game since 2014, but is a very good coach. Um, nonetheless, consistently gets this program into the uh, into the dance. And hey, with a group of seniors like they have, you don't really know what they could do. Like, you, you, there's certainly arguments for this team can go further than expected. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and they're, they're a well-coached team and, and they shoot super well. So it, often if you, you want to pull an upset, you, you either want to play stifling defense or shoot the lights out and uh, they shoot the lights out. I've, I've got one in that same bunch. So I think I'm, I'll give it out here. I, this is, this is one I think they'll probably lose in the first round, but if they do win, they can get a lot of momentum and that's Ohio 13 seed. You asked for a Cinderella and I'm going to give you the bell of the ball here. I think that I think that's Ohio, if Virginia, this is a big if. So if Virginia is missing one of Jay Huff, Sam Hauser, or Kihei Clark, I feel pretty good about Ohio. As much as I love Tony Bennett, um, they've got the best player on the court, even if those three play um, in Jason Preston. He's an NBA draft prospect. They, should, they have a lot of shooters. They played Illinois to a good game earlier in the year. This is one I'll probably end up taking Virginia anyway, but I do like uh, their chances against a team like Creighton coming out of that next round or UC, um, UCSB uh, if they're able to pass Virginia. 
and then they run into Gonzaga and and I don't think they'll win that one but if you take a 13 to the sweet 16 I think that's a, a still a Cinderella and I, I got one more for you that I think I don't think I consider a Cinderella just because of the, the quality they've been a couple of years ago but they're a six seed so I guess it qualifies for this I could see Texas Tech making a return to the elite eight um, they've, they've got a nice draw here for me I, I think Utah State's a really solid team led by Nemias Keita um, but if they're able to win that one, I think playing Arkansas or Colgate in the next round um, is, a, is a toss-up game to me. They play in the Big 12. They've been there before. They've made the Elite Eight um, two years in a row in the, and lost in the championship the past uh, past March Madness. So, um, And then you play Ohio State, and, and I don't think – that's a Sweet 16 game. I, I don't think Ohio State is is any anyone's worst nightmare. I think they're a really solid team, but they're not a team that, that terrifies me the way a lot of the other one and twos would. So – that's an elite eight possibility, and I think a sweet 16 is a strong possibility for Texas Tech. Well, Texas Tech, I, I agree with you. I, I That's a team that I hadn't given much thought to, but now that I'm looking at it, that does make a lot of sense to me. Um, the, like you mentioned, Ohio State kind of will be the toughest draw getting to the uh, elite eight, but I do think that they're a team that matches up really well with Ohio State, and we've seen Ohio State lose to a variety of different teams this year. So there's definitely the formula out there to beat them. Unlike a Gonzaga and to an extent Baylor, they, they, we know we know what it's going to take to beat Ohio State and a lot of these other those other teams. So I agree with you. I think that Texas Tech could make a uh, could make a pretty substantial run to the Elite Eight there. Um, we've been uh, we've been hovering around Gonzaga for a little while. This is the team that everyone needs to knock off. This is the team in the tournament. Uh, not we've mentioned the favorable draw. We've mentioned all of this. Leaf, who can be who can be the team to beat Gonzaga? Yeah, I've got two of them that'll that'll only meet them in the champion uh, championship. And I, I think Baylor matching up with Gonzaga is actually a good matchup for Baylor because that their guards are. I said this to you off air, and I'll say, I'll say it again. I think Baylor's got the best backcourt in the country. I think Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, and Macy Oteague is the best backcourt in the country. Um, and, and they play better defense than Gonzaga does. So if they're able to score a similar clip that, that in a championship game where it, presumably Gonzaga, if they were there, is 31-0 and looking to make history and be 32-0, first team since Indiana um, in 1976, I believe. Uh, I think that that's a very possible, very possible chance. And then the other one is Illinois because they're playing the best basketball, in my opinion, right now. Um, where they've got a star in Iowa and they've got a big man in Kofi Coburn who's the closest thing to Shaq in terms of what the landscape is. I'm not saying he's that dominant, but he's just big. And, and there's no one physically that's able to match up with him around the country. And then they've got Andre Curbelo, who is just an, uh, an absolute stud, really fun to watch freshman. And I think those are kind of the two teams I can see beating, up, uh, beating Gonzaga, but I don't really see anyone beating them before the final four, to be honest with you. As mentioned, I saw I, I put Creighton in that boat. That's a very out there prediction. Um, I, I do think that it's a team that maybe can pull it off, but it's going to take a minor miracle. Um, I think I agree with you. I like Illinois. I, I have Baylor written down too. Um, these are just two teams that match up really well. Illinois, Baylor would be very reliant on their guards, and that's the only thing that like slows me down. I'm a little more in to take Illinois purely because they have they can attack you everywhere. They have the guard play. They have Kofi Coburn, as you mentioned. This is a team that can attack you on every like in any position on offense and can probably play good enough defense to slow down Gonzaga just enough. Gonzaga, a very good scoring team. Mark Few, 
a very good coach. I don't think there's there are very few situations going in that I see Mark Few getting out coached, and that's a very scary thing going into March Madness. I mean, normally the coaches do tend to be very highly picked. Um, one of the few guys that I could see doing it is Shaka Smart. I'm just going to say it. I, I, I've mentioned Texas a lot. I picked them a couple weeks ago, and I said last week, hey, maybe I should put the brakes on that purely because of what happened uh, in their game against West Virginia. But I do think that Texas could I, – I do think that Texas could pull it off if given the opportunity purely because of their senior guard play. They have three of three guys that I would rate as up there with Baylor's guards, and as I said off air, I think on their day I'd rate them better. Um, I do think that this Texas team could make some noise in March Madness and might be one of the it might be the fourth and final team that I could see upsetting the Gonzaga Bulldogs. I've got one more for you that um, I want to get your take on here. Um, it's similar to Texas. I think that in the formula they can win, that they can cause havoc is Florida State. And, and Florida State in, in the last couple of years has done this, um, where uh, last year Gonzaga was able to beat them, last March Madness, I should say. Yeah. Um, and, and Florida State's caused issues before. They've made Elite Eight run from a nine seed. They've made uh, Sweet 16s consistently from wherever. Um, and, and I think the last two years, Florida State's even taken a leap. Um, and they've got athletes. Um, they've, they, they've got depth. And I think that the, they play a physical brand of basketball that I don't think Gonzaga is accustomed to. So that I would kind of be my my fourth, uh, my fifth team, I guess, if we're adding in Texas, because I agree. I think Texas is another one um, where where I can see that happening. And um, I want I want to see if you agree with that, or is that too, a little too far fetched? It's a tough one. Um, and, and when you look at these two, those two teams, if I'm comparing just Gonzaga versus Florida State in a vacuum. Raekwon Gary, obviously the star for uh, for Florida State, like one of the bigger names on their roster, if not the biggest. Corey Gispert is the Gonzaga star, and I think that's what it would come down to is those two. Like who wins that one-on-one matchup? I, I And I could see Gary doing it, but I, I do think that Gispert is the better player. So I, I, I would say – I'm going to say Gonzaga is the favorite, but it's it's certainly doable for Florida State. I like that take. Yeah, I think they disrupt things a lot, and, they, and Scotty Barnes is, is an, one of those type of unique athletes that can play multi uh, multi positioned. And I, I don't, I wouldn't favor Florida State ha- if they were to make a Final Four. But if they're making a Final Four, you know they're playing well, ba- well coached basketball under Leonard Hamilton, and uh, anything's possible at that point. And I think they're one of the teams that have a a formula that would disrupt the the beautiful basketball and like almost pristine, like un un kind of. They, they're not really physically punished. Um, Gonzaga is able to run through a lot of teams and they're, they, they execute their sets. Uh, Florida State's the type of team that I think could muck it up a little bit and um, and make it harder than what a lot of teams could could try to do to Gonzaga prior to that. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I think that that's the recipe for beating this team is just place, like playing sloppy basketball. You might need to get the 1989 Detroit Pistons to come give you a little lesson. I, I think that that's kind of what you need to do. You need to play with the Jordan rules. Um, the issue is Gonzaga doesn't have a Michael Jordan. They have five guys that can score double figures and can carry the load any any given night. Um, I just think that I, 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 it's hard to pick against them, but Florida State might be the first pick that – it might be one of the first teams that can do it, and Texas would come out of the same draw. So that's the first place where we uh, where I can see them getting troubled. Uh why do you not like Iowa? Like, do you want to, 
I think we're on the same page about not liking Iowa, but do you want to go through and explain why you don't first? Well, I actually love Iowa. Um, this is this is this is a saw a team I wrote last March when March Madness was canceled. I said I was going to be a top five team. They ended up around seventh in the country, um, and th- at the time they were they were sixth in the Big Ten. So if you think about that, that's quite a quite a bold statement that came pretty close to being true. Um, I love the team. They're one of my favorite teams to watch. They play an aesthetically pleasing brand of basketball. The reason I don't like them to beat Gonzaga is because they play the same way as Gonzaga, but Gonzaga's better. Um, I can see Iowa making Elite Eight. I could also see them losing in the second round to a team like Oregon, who will speed them up. And, and Iowa plays fast, and, and they but they have a big guy, and Oregon plays without a big. Um, I just don't think they can beat Gonzaga. Uh, this is not a disliking Iowa. I love Luca Garza. I love Jordan Bohannon. I love Joe Wieskamp. Uh, Connor McCaffrey, they, they pass the ball. They have the best assist to turnover in the country. But uh, but when you play Gonzaga, I think you need to be great on defense, and I don't think I, I was there. Yeah, you alluded to it there a little bit. I, I just think that uh, you mentioned a lot of guys, but at the end of the day, everything in Iowa goes through Luca Garza. Like, they can beat teams without him, but I, don't, I think they'd need to beat Gonzaga with him. They, they'd absolutely need him to show up. And I think Gonzaga can just do enough to cancel out cancel him out to keep – to key in on him and win the game like it it's not anything against Luca Garza or anything I just think he can't be asked to carry the load against a team as high quality as Gonzaga and we've already sorry go ahead we've already seen them we've already seen the matchup earlier this year and it wasn't particularly close like yeah that's exactly what I was gonna say I was gonna say he put up 30 points and and like 12 rebounds and they were still beaten only by 11 points by the end of the scoreboard but 20 points the majority of the second half so they're going to need a lot of outside production. And then the other thing that hinders me about picking Iowa far is Joe Wieskamp sprained his ankle pretty badly against Wisconsin at the end of the regular season. He played in the Big Ten tournament, but he just didn't look himself. So um, that, that's a concern for me as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to go on to the final segment, and we've been building to it. Who are the teams that can win it? We already have Gonzaga locked in, as I think both of us are going to pick Gonzaga at a certain point. But who are the teams that you are that you think could also win it in addition to Gonzaga? Yeah, I've got a Baylor and Illinois. I, I think uh, it, it's kind of it's cheating a little bit to to take the second and third best teams in the country. But at a certain point, if you're going for accuracy, I think that's that's what I'm doing here. And and I think Baylor it has. I think the COVID pause really concerns me and and how they've played a little worse basketball off of it. But like I said, I think they've got the best backcourt in the nation. They play the best brand of. Um, the blend of basketball of offensive and defense being both extremely efficient. And then Illinois is playing the, or the hottest team around. And sometimes like we saw with Kemba's team, you see, you see a team win, win a tournament, win a few big games and a month momentum carries you the way. So those are, those are the two teams aside from Gonzaga that I really see as contenders. And I think Shaka and Leonard Hamilton could, could have something to say about that, but uh, it's just harder to come out of that side. Yeah, as mentioned, I have Texas in there. I actually don't have Baylor, or not Baylor. I don't have Florida State written down. I have Baylor written down. That'd be a very hot take of me. We, I am the guy who said that you uh, that Utah would make the college football playoff two years ago at the beginning of the season. So it wouldn't be the hottest take I've ever made, but it would be a very hot take. Um, I do think that the only team that we haven't talked a substantial amount about is Purdue that I would have going, and that's a very big asterisk next to them is in you need to play all the right teams. I actually don't see them being able to beat Illinois, so you need someone to knock out Illinois before the Elite Eight, and that's a tall order. But I think if everything just kind of falls the right way for Purdue, they could do it. 
I love Matt Painter and I, and I, I did a coaches show podcast that, that I think was pretty fun and I had him very highly rated, but, but I want to, I want to hear why you think, why you think Purdue's a final four contender, because they're a pretty young team and, and I don't feel like they're particularly dynamic. They're just solid. I just think, like you said, they're solid. I think a huge part of, look, if we go back to when Gonzaga lost in the final four, a couple of years ago, they lost to North Carolina down the road from me and uh, down route 10 in Phoenix, right? The big thing that really doomed them in that game was giving up offensive boards to North Carolina. Um, I do think that at a certain point, offensive rebounding in college basketball is just so important, and Purdue isn't the type of team to give up a lot of offensive boards. That's about the only reason that I could see it. As I mentioned, I don't think... They beat Ohio State twice this year, so they've proven that they can knock off a team that's better than them. And if they see Ohio State in the Elite Eight, I'd pick them to win a third game. As I mentioned, though, Illinois needs to get knocked out, and that's one of the biggest problems for me. I could also see if Baylor, like as I also mentioned earlier in the show, Baylor needs a lot to go wrong in that matchup. So Purdue's basically either hoping hoping for a bad game or a big or a big win from Wisconsin or North Carolina in that second round. And, and I think the biggest thing about Purdue is, is simply their size. They've got Travion Williams and um, Zach Eady playing up front. They're huge. Uh, and then they, they're, what they're going to need is an awesome run from Jaden Ivey. He's an electric freshman who can score. You saw him play a really nice game against Ohio State in that overtime loss in the Big Ten tournament. I, I'm, I guess I'm just concerned um, that they are too reliant on freshmen because they play, they play five freshmen significant minutes. And and I know you can't be too reliant on one person, but I feel like relying on a whole freshman class is also a difficult task. But, but if anyone can do it, I love Matt Painter. And I, I like the pick. I just think Baylor, Baylor being on the side and Illinois being on the side is harder. I think if they were in the bottom side, uh, the East region, it might be easier to have a path to do so. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the bracket is not very friendly to Purdue. It's certainly came out the opposite as it did for Gonzaga. I I just think that if things fall right for them, this Purdue team could cause a cup, a little bit of a ruckus, but I think they got a good path to the sweet 16 though. Oh yeah, I agree. The, the sweet 16 looks very easy going through Villan- uh, Villanova team without a star, without their star player. Winthrop in North Texas, I don't see making too much noise. So I do think that they could make it to the sweet 16 with a little bit of ease, but that's going to wrap it up here for us. So uh, actually leaf, just give me your final pick. Who's going to win it? I'll go I'll go with not the non consensus pick of Gonzaga. I'll take Baylor. I think I think Baylor if they get to the championship and they're able to beat Illinois has the has the favorable matchup against uh, Gonzaga and I've just wanted to see that ever since they canceled the game with a COVID scare back in December. So I want to see the game I've wanted to see all year. So I'll, I'll take the Baylor Bears and Scott Drew hoisting the title. All right, Leaf, I'm going to doom you because nothing I ever say comes out right. Gonzaga will make it to the final. I'm going to pick Gonzaga to win it all. Nothing that is so in other words, I'm sorry, Mark Few, you're not winning your title this year. Uh, Leaf, Tulin, jo- thank you for joining us. Uh, if our viewers wanted to, st- or our listeners, I guess, wanted to stick with you and come listen to a little bit of your stuff, including that great coaches show that you did, what, where can we find you? Uh, yeah. So, well, first off, thank you for having me on. And um, 
I host a podcast called um, the College Sports Hive with my friend Scott Stevens. It's a pretty fun show. We talk about college basketball and college football. So if you want more college sports content, come hop on. Um, uh, you can listen to that on any major network and also KU for the University of Utah. So please give us a listen and 